standard issue for all women. Hello, Mickey here. Welcome to one of this week's Sunday Chops. Over on our LGBT History Month Chops number three, we're chatting to comedian, writer and absolute smasher Rosie Jones. Rosie came out last year and we chat comedy, forward planning, representation and dating when you've got cerebral palsy. In this Chops, I catch up with another proud northerner, award-winning social media guru and now author Sarah Tasker. We chat Instagram, her new book, Hashtag Authentic, Stealth Feminism and How to Navigate Social Media Without Selling Your Soul. Also contains Star Wars, budgie smugglers and actual budgies. I'm with award-winning blogger, business coach, photographer, podcaster and social media guru, Sarah Tasker. Hey Sarah. What an intro, I'm loving that. And just to note that Sarah has got budgies and we're in the room with the budgies and they are having a lovely time. Hashtag a lovely time. Something's going on in that cage. What is going on? (laughs) Sarah, she's keeping me shrouded by putting a blanket over the cage so I don't know what those budgies are up to. I was hoping they'd go to sleep, it's not worked yet. Give it time. We are in Sarah's truly beautiful home and... I mean, this is going to be news to you, but I am planning on moving in. Are you? Is, oh, great. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, we'll move a few things around. Okay. <laughs> so like we said that was a formidable list that I introduced you with, but we can now add author to it as well. Well, yeah, from the 21st of Feb, it's official. You've written a book? I've written an actual book with pages and a cover. And it is a thing of beauty. It's called Hashtag Authentic. Tell us a bit about it. This is the first time I've been able to do the book talk, for real. I'll, I bet I'll get better at this. Have you been practising? <laughs> oh no, is that what you're meant to do? I'm just standing in front of a mirror going, you can do this, <laughs> be the book, be the book. I've not got an elevator pitch ready. Okay, <laughs> it is, I guess it's the book I wished had existed three or four years ago when I was at an earlier stage of my business. So it's all of the lessons I've learned about how to grow an audience online, how to kind of find your community and build something with a purpose by sharing beautiful pictures and sharing words and sharing your story. But how to kind of navigate that line as well between, I want to play the system enough to grow, I want to kind of play the game, but I also do not want to sell out and compromise all my values. Mm -hmm. So trying to bring all of that together in one book with lots of pictures as well. One of the things I really love is that you're warm and you're really encouraging, but there's also some stealth feminism in there. (laughs) I love that. I've never heard that phrase before, stealth feminism, but I'm going to be stealing it. Because, well, it's in everything, isn't it? Like, feminism is a part of everything we're doing. And I don't think you can talk about building a platform and having a voice without acknowledging the fact that, like, especially as women, this is a new opportunity. Uh And that's part of the reason a lot of people don't want us to do it. There's still a lot of resistance, I think, about women having a voice and being publicly heard. Absolutely. When and why did you fall in love with Instagram? Because it sort of rescued you. I feel like it did. I was working for the NHS in speech therapy and then I got pregnant, went on maternity leave and was stuck at home in in this house in the part of Manchester that like it just really didn't feel like my home. In fact my now husband had bought it with his ex-partner so it felt like I was not at home in that place. Ghosts. Yeah exactly like it was it was just a really strange kind of time in my life now I look back and I was at home and anyone who's got newborn can probably relate you spend a lot of time on your own not doing very much feeling quite terrified of your life Instagram was like my window to the outside world because I'm not really a toddler group person like that involves quite a lot of face-to-face interaction (laughs) with people you don't know that wasn't for me I could sit on my sofa and have a baby asleep on me and just talk to people and kind of engage 
it gave me a bit of a purpose of finding something every day that was worth taking a picture of and sharing, even if that was just some fruit on a windowsill because I hadn't left the house. And you set yourself a fairly low target when you first started doing it, right? Yeah, I just wanted to get a thousand followers within the year. It was like a little New Year's resolution because I had no plan for it. Instagram followers back then didn't mean anything. You couldn't do anything with them. I was like, I think I would, if I had a thousand followers, I'd feel like I was doing well. So I'm going to try and get that this year. By How the, did that go? By the end of the January, I already had a thousand followers. In fact, I passed it. And I think by like the April, I was at about 35,000. Wow. So it just grew and grew. Were you surprised by the reaction? Yeah, I was surprised and excited, but I sort of, it wasn't accidental as well. I'd been quite deliberately being like, oh, okay, like when I share pictures of this, it sparks more conversation. I'm going to do that more. I'm always really curious and quite nerdy about, I always have been, in fact, about like online community. So even way back when it was just bulletin boards, if anyone remembers bulletin boards, pre-social media. Oh my God, like MySpace. Pre-MySpace. No one was alive. (laughs) Even then I would be part of communities and be like, oh, what makes this work? What makes some people bond through that barrier of a screen and what means it doesn't happen? And kind of applied that to Instagram in the same way so that I was absolutely flabbergasted on the one hand to be at 35,000 followers. But I was also kind of like, oh, this is working and I knew how it happened. Can you remember any of the first pictures where you thought, hang on? This is going a bit more crackers than I thought it would. Good question. I kind of can. I can kind of almost remember every picture I've ever taken. So there were I'm just a few. edged away because that's that's witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, that isn't normal, is it? <laughs> yeah, like a few, and then that brought up its own issues of like, oh, actually, now people are watching. Now I've got to do something worth sharing, mm-hmm. and it's almost like stage fright. So in in loads of ways, I think. Instagram or social media and just being seen online can be like a kind of therapy where you have to confront a lot of things that you've maybe not hit upon previously in your life. Yeah, okay. So that's quite interesting because obviously the negative effects of social media, such as the damages and the dangers of constant comparison and selfie culture and what that does to self-esteem, the death of the soul, they're all <laughs> they're all well documented. But you firmly believe that it can be a force for good. Completely. It changed my life for the better. I know hundreds of women whose lives have been changed for the better by it. And I think... I don't know, it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's a bit like shitting on millennials. People love to shit on social media as well, they kind of go hand in hand. And avocados, so like the three, <laughs> that's, that's the holy trinity. That's the triangle, isn't it? <laughs> what did you shit on today? A millennial. <laughs> Eating an avocado on <laughs> and social media. <laughs> and, and I get it, it's new, so it's bringing to the surface Lots of things that are not new, that are just human and we've always struggled with, but mm-hmm. they're bringing them to the surface in new ways. And we do have to have those conversations about it, but that shouldn't be at the expense of talking about all the amazing stuff and the opportunities that it presents and the connection in the community that I haven't found anywhere else and I wouldn't have been able to find anywhere else. And back to that stealth feminism. Well, There's a yeah. lot of women, young, middle-aged, old finding a voice for the first time absolutely and like this is one of the things I really think about who before me in my family ever had a platform like this where they could share their opinions share their politics or even just share their life just whatever it is you want to share nobody and you couldn't be heard in public Uh, we're in West Yorkshire Bronte country they had to publish their books under male names just to get them out in the world Uh it's incredibly new it's a huge privilege and I could go down the whole minefield rabbit hole of What then happens with influencer culture? Because, of course, 
it's women who have got a voice for the first time and suddenly huge male-led corporations are paying women to talk about the same old topics of child-rearing, cleaning, household goods, Mm -hmm. fashion, and kind of steering our voices away from the full range of expression that we actually built these platforms for in the first place. Yeah. I want to touch on the word influencers again, uh, or go back to that in a moment. Yes. But I also wanted to go back to sharing stuff online. Yeah. Where do you personally put the line before it feels like oversharing? Because the more famous you get and the more followers you get, it feels they want more and more from you. Have you had to safeguard yourself? I think most people have a natural boundary. In fact, I think... Anna Newton, who was on my podcast, I know she's been on this podcast. She has, she's lovely, we love her, an edited life, yeah. She put it very well when I spoke to her on my podcast and said she thinks people don't put out anything that they're not up for getting feedback on. I think she said it more articulately than that, sorry Anna. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I will do is quite often I'll write a blog post or I'll write a caption that I think I want to share, but I realise it's still too raw, like I'm right in the middle of that crisis. Mm -hmm. And so I'll save it and sit on it and not put it out into the world. And then six months down the line I might look at it and be like actually no now I don't care what the response is so that's when I know it's okay to put out there and is that instinct or is that because you've been doing this a while I think it's instinct but like most instincts we're not all very good at listening to them and you have to practice I think the noise of the world and how busy the world is now has completely drowned out our instincts yeah yeah and you're kind of encouraged to not listen to your instincts through like the education system and everything else well absolutely and also your instincts will tell you that you probably don't need to buy that and it doesn't work for capitalism if we listen to our instincts (laughs) it's a terrible instinct to listen to yeah so yeah there's a lot of money and power invested in making us ignore those things and I feel like that's been a huge part of my business journey is just been learning to trust the instincts I had all along that were actually kind of screaming at me but I was very good at pushing them away. In the intro of Hashtag Authentic you talk about how all the things that you have are talentful like clearly photography you've got that wonderful eye you just sort of pushed them down because you didn't think that you'd be able to do anything with people like me don't do things like that so that was it I just I didn't even think that they should really be hobbies I would have felt quite shy about calling them hobbies and yet now here we are not that long on and it's actually my whole job it's your whole job and you're encouraging people yeah well and that's why I'm so encouraging because I think it's incredibly common especially for women we feel like imposters whatever we're doing Mm -hmm. but we especially feel like imposters if we're doing something that no one else around us is doing there's lots of research, isn't there, that says that like men will generally take the leap just as soon as they have the idea. They'll kind of be like, okay, I'm going to launch this business or I'm going to be a photographer. I'll tell everyone I'm a photographer. Whereas women, we much prefer to go and get multiple qualifications yeah. and kind of over-prepare and think we have to have all the kit. And even then might just say, well, I'm an amateur photographer. And it takes a lot more for us to feel like we're valid. So I hope that the book helps people feel like actually it's valid right now it's valid if all you've got is an iphone and you're just sticking them up on instagram and then your mum looks at them that still counts as photography i love that this wonderful businesswoman who has created this whole community is just just wants us to have the confidence of an average white dude <laughs> yes, we're not aiming too high are we <laughs> So I recall seeing recently in a chart, I think it was on Amazon, of hot new releases in the book world. And four out of the top five were by influencers. Yeah. You were there. Anna was there. Laura was there. Laura Thomas. Laura Thomas for Just Eat It. She was there. And Mrs. Hinch. Mrs. Hinch. I don't know about Mrs. (gasps) Hinch. So Mrs. Hinch does cleaning tips. She's an Essex 
expectant mother and she does cleaning tips on Instagram and it just went absolutely viral. Is it she like got, put lemon juice on a stain and put yeah. it by the window? But she's got thing. a real person. She's very down to earth. She's got names for all of her cloths and sponges. It's not, I'll be honest, it's not my thing. She's a bit more organised than I am. Um, <laughs> give, give the table a polish with Jeffrey. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've just nailed it. And um, but like, so these sponges are selling out in like pound stretches across the country. She's got millions of followers now. She's a total sensation. She's been on this morning. I think that's how you know you've made that's it. You've, if you've been sat next to Pip Schofield, <laughs> you've, you've peaked. You've done it. You've, and, you've done it. And so it's her book was also in the top four. What does that word mean to you, the word influencers? Well, it's a really new word. Like, I think even when I started out, it didn't exist. So it's probably only about four years old. And it is kind of an uncomfortable term. I feel like we need a better word for it. But it's essentially it's anyone with an audience who buys into what they're doing and will trust their opinion. Okay. Mostly it's used in the sense of somebody online with an online audience. And so it tends to be bloggers or vloggers or like Instagrammers. But it is also really, if you think about it, celebrities who've got a huge audience online. Yeah, totally. And also journalists, I would say, people who are producing the media. The notion that we're being influenced by a voice or media that we're consuming, that's definitely not new. What's changed is that rather than it now being like Cosmo says or Vogue tells us, it's individuals, it's individual people. I think it's really interesting that we're a lot less comfortable with that than we are with huge corporations telling us what to think. I think you're right. It feels when it's used about people on Instagram or YouTube, it feels slightly pejorative yeah, when it I comes agree. from the mouth of the big corporations. Yeah. And how much is that to do with influencer culture has had a huge impact on conventional media, mm-hmm. like journalists, I know, like it's, it's had a huge impact on being paid to do what they do. And... I wonder how much it is just kind of almost like a a friction between the two and how much sometimes I feel like even someone like The Guardian will really lay into Instagram and influencer culture and it sounds kind of like a bitter ex-boyfriend who's just a bit mad that you've got on to success. It feels like it's actually more about the threat to the existing establishment than it really is about a problem with what's happening. Yeah, we get a little bit with podcasts as well. Establishment fears change, I suppose. It's anything that might even inadvertently undermine its voice. And again, I think stealth feminism, a lot of influences are women. A lot, an awful lot. And you can do it from anywhere. You don't need that existing structure to lift you up. You don't Mm -hmm. need men to tell you you can do it. You can be sat at home like I was with a baby and an iPhone, and you can build something that rivals this huge corporation. What word would you like instead? I haven't found one that works. To me, the problem with influencer is it sort of suggests that we're doing it on purpose. Like, we're trying to brainwash people or influencing you right now to do what I think. Is this what I tell tell the listeners that you actually locked me in? (laughs) I She's very much. She's lovely. Keeping in this room. the cats away from the budgies. Sure, sure. Please send help. <laughs> oh, hey, Birmingham. Get you looking all capital of the Midlands. And we will be in you on March the 24th for a cracking event at the Town Hall as part of Podfest Birmingham, where we're joined by Jess Phillips MP, Beverly Knight, and the boss, Sarah Millican. More info and indeed tickets can be found at sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. But you better be sharpish, as they are selling damn fast. (laughs) 
also because it is this brave new world of influencers and the rest of the world, certainly the establishment, haven't really worked out what to do with them yet. There are laws coming in because obviously one of the things that happens is brands see the reach that you have Mm -hmm. and the community you have with your demographic, which is closer than most brands will ever get to their demographic. And they want a bit of that. Totally. And on the one hand, that's brilliant because it's kind of, it makes it pay. Like it's one of the ways that lots of these women are monetizing this audience that they've built. But yeah, there needs to be more regulation around it. I think the whole conversation that's going on at the moment kind of around regulation is really important because ads need to be disclosed. If you see a commercial in an ad break, you know you're being sold to and you're able to at least take in the information in that context. But if you're scrolling Instagram and some model you you really like or like a writer you really like tells you that this new shampoo is brilliant or that even more scarily, this diet supplement is brilliant. Oh, that lollipop that stops you yeah, eating. <laughs> ridiculous. Oh my God. And they don't tell you it's an ad. You're going to assume that it's presented with the same kind of the same level of trust is there as it is for like a personal post from them. So it's a really dangerous medium. But I would say the vast majority of influencers are disclosing appropriately and are making it really, really clear. Yeah. And where I see there being more kind of violations of the of the codes of conduct is in that kind of celebrity with a small C. Like there was a, a Daily Mail article that I contributed to. I don't know if it went to print, but they'd sent me this huge batch of Instagram posts from the Strictly Come Dancing celebrities and dancers. Yeah. And they were all ads. And they were asking me to say how much I thought they'd been paid for the ads. But what really stood out to me was about two out of maybe 30 were disclosed as ads. And the rest had no mention. There was like Anton de Beck dancing with some sort of vacuum cleaner, literally in a ballroom, no mention that that was an ad, as if that was just what he did on a Saturday. That's interesting because recently, very, very recently, there's talk of bringing in laws to make sure that influencers, and I'm putting that word in rabbit's ears so we can think of a better one, have to disclose that stuff is ads. And it it wasn't those celebrities that were being pictured and like, these people might go to jail. It certainly wasn't those who were feeling the harsh hand of the media with a capital M. No, it will have been young women. Yeah. Yeah. Zoella, I think, was mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, She's brilliant at disclosing. The other thing that you'll know about, I'm sure with your background, is you'll see like a review within a magazine and it'll mention certain like beauty products. How many of the readers really realise that when that foundation gets a five-star review, it's because they are the sponsors who buy double-page spreads of ads later in each issue? I worked for men's mags and a newspaper rather than women's magazines. And, I mean, it still exists, but much less so than in the yeah. women's magazine culture. Which is why when we set up Standard Issue, we were like, we're not having beauty advertising. It's very detrimental to women. But also, it's really easy once you know, you see a product, there'll be an advert for that product in the same magazine. Yeah. So they're not disclosing it. And it's just, I find that really insulting to the readers. I do. And I, I don't know why more people aren't mad about it. Mm-hmm. And then I think, why is there this inequitable attack on influencers Yes, everyone should be disclosing more. I completely agree. But the print media have been doing this for a really long time and no one seems to care. And there was a study that came out just last week, actually, that said less than one in 10 people can distinguish between like an advertorial sponsored news article and a real news article. Mm -hmm. And they tested it out. And that kind of has ramifications in terms of the whole fake news thing. But I do feel like actually they may be overestimating how much these regulations are already working elsewhere in the media. Yeah. And 
we're going after young women. Quite often they're like in their teens or early 20s. They're just working for themselves and they're just figuring it out. And yes, we need tighter regulation, but I feel like it needs to be across the board. It's easier to look outside though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and these institutions don't want to change because actually they can't afford to print those beautiful glossy magazines unless they get those sponsorship deals that rely on all these things. Well, it's still dying on its hole, isn't it? They've not worked out a way to make it work. We couldn't work out a way to make it work as a magazine without the advertising. It is really hard and they're so hand in hand. And I think you're right. Most people don't necessarily realise that. Yeah. One of the things that needs to happen is more of a conversation about that so like with my audience I'll always say thank you for supporting my sponsored content because that means I'm able to produce the free content you get the rest of the time and no one watches Coronation Street and then is like what there's an advert break that's it I'm never watching Coronation Street again but you will get messages every time you do a very clearly disclosed sponsored post of people saying you're doing sponsored posts I'm unsubscribing I'm not following you anymore I'm unsubscribing from your free content yeah from the free content you gave me for four years and this one ad is enough we get exactly <laughs> the same we have like it's it's rare which is really good yeah. but people go oh, you this was advertised if it's got our voice we've chosen and we've said yeah and we're providing something for free and we still try really hard not to have stuff that makes women feel shit but it's free content that's got to be funded in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope that that conversation about influencers kind of extends to cover that so that people start to realise what the trade-off is and maybe it can become more accepted as an industry and more normalised. Let's hope so. It sort of deserves it because it's not going away. Despite what the Daily Mail might tell you, it's not going to die out tomorrow. Just stop reading the Daily Mail, people. <laughs> my hate, if, I, if I can't get energised in the morning, I read the Daily Mail and fill myself up with anger. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I suppose some emotions better than no emotions. Yeah, I'm not sure how good that is for no? my mental health. <laughs> I don't think it's at all good for your mental health. Hello, Hannah here, constant interrupter. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. You mentioned earlier that we are in your house and that house is not in London. We're actually in Yorkshire. Yes. How hard has it been establishing yourself in the social media world while not being in that London bubble? It's definitely a barrier. On the one hand, I think building an audience, it makes no difference. You can be anywhere in the world. You Mm -hmm. can be on an island in the Hebrides by yourself as long as you've got an internet connection. But when it comes to turning that into anything bigger, that's when you start to really hit the wall of, oh, okay, everything is in London. We've done a lot of train journeys. So many train journeys. (laughs) I hear you. Yeah. I used to try and do it in a day and then I realised that that was just making me... exhausting. Yeah. So now it's an overnight stay, but there's a cost attached to all of that. Like trains in the UK are not cheap. And usually you hear about these events two days before. So you kind of, there's a real cost attached to that, that if you were living in London, you don't have. Mm -hmm. And you do have to say no to things just because, you know, I've got a kid and it's a long way to go and everything else. So I would say that there's opportunities I've probably missed because there's no way I'm going to get there for a breakfast event. Or like a sunrise event that I was once invited to. Who, who, what? Just stop it, people. (laughs) Seriously. All events should be brunch or later, Absolutely, yeah. But on the other hand, I feel like one of my strengths has been that I've been able to lean into the fact that I'm not in London. Because there's lots of us out there, right? Yeah. So more and more of us, because who can afford to live in London? And gradually everyone's having to move out. So talking about how you can do it from anywhere and how... It's an advantage, because I can afford a really nice house. Whereas if I was in London, I would probably just be living under a bridge. 
Oh God, I'm moving to London and it's, it's so sad. It'll be a really nice bridge. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Will you visit me with food parcels? Yeah, of course. That's really good to know. Okay, let's let's talk about something positive. How do people go about making the good shit happen online? Well, the first day buy my book and it tells them everything. Hashtag authentic. <laughs> Seems to be available in all good bookshops. There we go. Phew, got that in. I think the first step is to just figure out what makes you unique. Sometimes people kind of curl up when I say that and they're like, I'm not unique, I'm not special. But everyone is different. Like no one has got the same pile of chromosomes going on. So what is it about your situation or your experiences or the way you're going to tell your story that is slightly different to everybody else's that's going to give people a reason to follow you? Lean into that and go with it and start sharing it. There's such a temptation when you go online, you see someone's doing an amazing vlog channel or someone's got a beautiful Instagram and you feel like you should replicate it. But actually in the long run, that's the worst thing you can do because everyone's already following that person. You need Mm -hmm. to be doing something unique. How do you deal with any nastiness that might get thrown your way? I've got better at it. I think I've learned the first thing to do is to step back and not reply until my emotions have died down. That's a really good tip. Yeah, boundaries. Boundaries I'm learning about. I always thought boundaries were just kind of self-help American woo. (laughs) <laughs> like closure. Yeah, like what is that? It's just the thing you hear on Oprah. No, it turns out boundaries are real and you should have them. And I guess in the situation where the person aiming that whatever it is at you clearly has no boundaries, it's even yeah. more imperative that you set some. You draw them and you're like, you can do that over there, that's mm-hmm. fine, but you're not coming in my space where I'm getting my stuff done. And actually, it's, it is few and far between. I think people expect if you're on the internet that you're constantly dealing with a barrage of hate, but... Instagram in particular is a really positive place and it's really, really rare that you'll get anything that's worth being upset over. I've heard that Instagram is the more friendly of the social media spaces, but I have a confession to make. I don't do Instagram. I have it and I use it because the filters are great. Oh God, God. I can't. You've locked me in. We've already covered this. I cannot leave. So how would you encourage a complete novice to give Instagram a go and, and get the best out of it with their soul intact? Good question. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Book two. (laughs) I guess the thing is, you just have to start. Yeah. And people want to be perfect first. They're waiting until they've got all of their pictures ready and they're going to have the perfect bio. And that's not how anyone gets started with anything. Like, you've just got to jump in. The great thing about when you first start on somewhere like Instagram is nobody's watching because nobody's following you. Nobody knows who you are. So you get to experiment without the whole world critiquing it or seeing what you're doing. You get to just throw stuff up. So I made myself a project right at the start, which was a 365, literally just a photo a day. Mm -hmm. Some people have really strict themes or there's prompts you can get from various places. They'll email you a prompt a day to take a picture of. But mine was just any picture a day because that was enough. That was hard enough. Mm -hmm. But what's really nice if you have something like that is it gets you through the periods of self-doubt and the periods of like, oh, no one's watching. Why am I even bothering? And gets you kind of to the point where you're doing a decent job of it and people are watching a lot quicker because you're there showing up consistently every day. Yeah. I think that would be a panic that a lot of people have. But what I really liked, and one of the points you're doing in hashtag authentic, is you clearly understand that. So you're asking people to use a certain hashtag when they start out or when they post photos so that if you like it, you'll give it a cheeky boost. Yeah. And so that everyone hopefully who's reading the book can do the same and we can kind of all come together because that's the beautiful thing about Instagram is it is this supportive community it's like a big online hug and I 
would say my community, I've just been so lucky that the people who interact with me and kind of who take my classes and who like reply on my posts and everything else are just amazing, wonderful, supportive people. So I know from past experience that if I can bring everybody together as a rallying point, so if I share your post or if other people check out the hashtag and find your post, you're going to get that same kind of community and you're going to get that same kind of support network, which for me, it was totally essential. Nobody had ever told me that I could do this. As much as you don't want to rely on external validation, it was only really knowing that there was X many people online who liked what I did that gave me the self-belief to think, actually, maybe I don't suck at this. Like, maybe it is worth something. Can we just have a quick word about hashtags? Yeah. How many is too many? On Instagram? Yeah. You can use up to 30. What? <laughs> Any more than that, it won't post. There's a couple of people I know on Instagram who... They do this kind of weasel wording whenever they talk to you. So they can never tell you the facts. They can just give you like sound bites. But you know when you get quite good at reading between the lines? So Instagram say you wouldn't normally need to use more than sort of 10 or 15. Okay. But you won't get penalised for using more. To me that means use 10 or 15 and because that's the optimum. You won't get penalised for using more but you might get rewarded for using fewer. Okay. That is an excellent tip. <laughs> yeah, That's a really good tip. And the other word in your book title is authentic. I think people who are new to this or outside of this world probably struggle to see it as authentic. Yeah. Why did you choose that word? Why did I choose that word? It's a bit of a buzzword in the online world. It kind of means nothing and everything right. at the same time. So hashtag authentic is it's a bit of an in-joke, I suppose, for people on Instagram because it's it's exactly that. People will post a picture of themselves in a bikini on the top of a mountain at sunrise making coffee. And, and then they hashtag authentic. That's what they write. And you're like, is it though? Is, is that authentic? It's about as real as hashtag no filter. Really? Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Hashtag I woke up like this. We kind of know them all. So hashtag authentic came, it was for podcast first and now it's the book. Yeah. And it came from kind of exploring that, like what, what is authenticity online and how do we know it when we find it? How can we be it? But how can we also still use the framework and, and play by the rules in order to grow? So I talk about this a few times in the book. If the moment is real that you're taking a picture of, does it matter that you slightly styled it by adding a book or like, you know, making sure there's tea in the cup? If you really did sit in your window that morning and drink a cup of tea and read a book... Is it inauthentic of you to share a picture that's slightly more staged of it? And I think everyone's got a different place in the continuum of what feels fake and what feels authentic or, like, just something they're comfortable sharing. But I don't necessarily think that photography has to be a journalistic medium. Photography can tell you things and show you things without us having to say, this actually happened exactly like it did in this moment. It's storytelling. Right. It's like you don't read a fairy tale and go, really, do they live in those trees? What kind of tree was <laughs> yeah. that? What was the fairy wearing? Mm, no. Like you how many wedding photographers now, they, they make you set up the confetti shot and they wait and it's queued in and then they throw the confetti. And no one looks back at their wedding pictures, or maybe they do, but I don't know anyone who looks back at their wedding pictures and is like, that is so inauthentic. <laughs> What a fake wedding we had. Like, they just are happy they've got these beautiful pictures that's, that symbolise the day for them and tell the story of the day. So that's, to me, what's, what it's about and how you choose to tell the story, whether you make it very true to life or whether you're more creative with it, is kind of a personal choice. Just do your own thing. And even if doing your own thing means being a bit stylized, doing your own thing is the authentic bit, right? 
Right. Yeah. You, as long as you're being authentically you, then then you are being authentic, and people will connect with that. And I think we all have a really good authenticity radar built into us. It's probably another one of those instincts that we're not always listening. I call to. it my bullshit radar. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And. You know, like, you, you can follow someone and then after a few posts you start to go, oh, you're not, there's something amiss here. And maybe you can't even put your finger on it, but you know it's not the whole story. I have one last question. Okay. It's probably the most important question. You're a diehard Luke Skywalker <laughs> slash the actor Mark Hamill fan. Oh, yeah. um, he gave you quite the gift. I have a signed pair of tiny blue underpants. <laughs> yeah, and he wrote, he's, he's written his name on them right on the kind of, like, banana hammock area at the front <laughs> but he also wrote our brief encounter what a guy what a guy sarah where can people find you on instagram so on instagram i am at me and orla there's underscores between all those words don't ask it's a really complicated way of having a handle but it's too late to change it now orla is my little girl so when i started my account it was just me and orla and it's kind of grown so my website is meanola.co.uk and you can find all my social media handles there twitter pinterest all the places i waste my time and hashtag authentic available in all good bookshops absolutely available to pre-order depending on when you're listening or out there in the world right now thank you so much for inviting me into the place i now live and uh, <laughs> you for don't have a choice. <laughs> no, i can't get i can't get out standard issue for all women